Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Wrong Think Radio. I'm your host, Aaron, broadcasting from just outside the nation's capital in beautiful northern Virginia. And I'm Alan, coming to me lovely and sunny greater Seattle metropolitan area. And this is Wrong Think Radio. This is our two-hour live program that we put on every single week to bring you guys our facts and analysis of what's going on in the world. And the opening of this was, in fact, not like some sort of weird tricord theme coming off of an old... Uh, you know, organ in deep in a church of Transylvania. That was, in fact, the sounds of the honkening. The sounds of the honkening. Uh, that was uh, some person from Twitter who was very upset because if you live in Ottawa, Canada, at the Capitol, that's what you hear all day and all night. And the reason why is the Freedom Convoy is ongoing and growing stronger. For those of you who uh, haven't paid much attention to it, and that's understandable because Western media, the liberal media here in the West, is doing everything that they can to not talk about it. They don't want you to know what a freedom convoy is. They don't want you to know what's going on in Ottawa. They want to keep you... Oh, it looks like Alan keeps dropping, so real quick. Welcome back, Alan. Glad to have you back. Thank Um, you. But the whole point here on the freedom convoy is western media or i say western media so american media on the left doesn't want anyone to know what's going on in canada because they sure as hell don't want anyone in the united states getting any ideas what was going on is obviously canada's being canada and so they were severely uh locking down they're still basically using coronavirus as an excuse to do whatever they want, manipulate the economy, shove people into corners. You even have Justin Trudeau out there uh, making statements akin to uh, you need to basically be as abusive and uh, dehumanizing as possible to the unvaccinated until they do the right thing and comply with their government with no questions asked. Uh, And this has resulted in a bunch of truckers for several reasons that we don't want to get super in depth into. But the long story short was all of this is about vaccine mandates and things like that. And the lockdowns truckers said we're done. And they all got into their trucks and they drove uh, throughout Canada. But the main protest is in Ottawa and the capital surrounding parliament, blocking things off and saying, we're not leaving until you lift these ridiculous lockdowns and this dumb uh, COVID nonsense. And the Canadian government and the globalists everywhere uh, hate everything about this and are losing their damn minds. And I love this situation for a lot of reasons, but one primary reason why I like it is it takes the mask off of the left because of the way that we've watched them respond. Any comment from Alan? I think it is actually very interesting to see this occur because it is a protest that is very simple, but actually seems to be making a difference. These truckers have basically blockaded all of the roads of the capital of Canada with their trucks. They've essentially set up, remember when there was the Chaz in Seattle that took over an area of city? Well, the truckers are essentially doing the same thing, except they're doing it well because they're not a bunch of filthy communists. They're they're blockading the city of Canada, the, the, the major city. They're having trucks honk their horns day and night. They're setting up fueling stations. They're getting food, setting up food delivery to all these truckers. And they're basically saying, 
if you are going to make it so that I can't work and screw this country with lockdowns and vaccine mandates, well, then we are going to paralyze the capital and make it so you can't work either. We are just, and it's great because it's just, we are just going to paralyze the capital and antagonize people until you give us what we want, until you remove these flagrant violations of our rights and get back to sanity. And I think it is actually, it's great. It's a great protest. It's nonviolent. It is absolutely effective. And I think it is actually making headway. As far as I know, I mean, the the president of Canada, the prime minister, Justin Trudeau, I know at least announced that they were not going to use military force to break up the trucking, the honking, as it has become known, which is good. And I imagine that they're going to actually be successful in forcing the Canadian government to adopt changes and abandon its ludicrous COVID measures. At least that's my hope, but I see it as a very positive thing, and I hope it is very successful. And they, it seems like this, these truckers keep getting more and more people rallying to their banner. I believe last I saw there was a bunch of ranchers and kind of agricultural workers that were taking their horses and like, well, they got the trucks in, in paralyzing them. We're going to come in with our horses and like the cowboys are getting on board. So I see it as a very positive thing. And I think it's Canada, right? Mm -hmm. These people are a lot more uh, subservient to their government than we are in the United States <laughs> as a general baseline. And if they're in mass donating money to these people, they're supporting this trucking convoy. It just goes to show how unpopular these sorts of measures actually are, that people are willing to abandon the traditional Canadian pleasantries in order to push for something that really matters somebody just said colleen just said they're called mounties no they're not the mounties um, <laughs> <laughs> also uh hd cynical on our live chat which you guys can join at spreaker.com says the honking shall continue until liberty improves um exactly <laughs> so th no this is what's what's amazing about it is um this actually gets to something uh, that I think we've kind of talked around uh, for months on the program, if not you know years in reality. Um, what you're seeing here is there are so many people. I mean, it is it is insane. If you see any drone footage or anything of like Ottawa or any of these other places where stuff like this is happening, there are so many people who have taken to the streets. And by the way, it is um, really neat to see because you've got people... It, First of all, it's Canada, right? And it's winter. So it is freezing cold out there. You have people that are bringing fuel to these truckers. You have people that are out there with barbecues in the middle of the road cooking food for these people. Um, they're donating money. These are like regular citizens that are, that are supporting this. And so what you're seeing, I think, and what is considered the largest threat by the government is the amount of regular people that actually support and agree with the arguments, uh, which they're very simple arguments, by the way, there's nothing in depth. There, there's nothing even, uh, <laughs> there's nothing even really scandalous here. It's just, let us go back to normal and understand very, like, I, I don't want to, 
I, I, I don't want to generalize Canada too much because there are there are different provinces in Canada and there are they are um they can be as different as as places in the United States. But as a general rule, um in Canada, people went along with stuff. People went along with the nonsense. They went along with lockdowns. They went along with vaccine mandates. They went along with mass mandates. They did all of those things. And the reason why anybody anywhere does any of those things was the the insinuated promise from the governments that if you just did this, life would go back to normal. But then life didn't go back to normal. And if we're just going to be completely frank about it, there's no reason why it didn't. It's not like, and very simply put, it's not like there's a plan to get rid of coronavirus. It's not going anywhere. There's no indication that they're going to, quote, eradicate it. That's not happening. And no one's actually said that they're going to. The whole idea here was just we have to do all of these things to stop the spread and then get it under control. And bah! and so the logic was, OK, we do this until we get like a vaccine and then we have to treat it like any other illness. Right. If you get it, um, that might suck. Sometimes people die of things like the flu, but you have to go about your normal life because what the hell else can you do? But right. for some reason, I mean, we all know why, or at least we've we've posited many reasons why. But regular people look at this and go, okay, so we're, we did it all. There's nothing more you can do. So can we go back to normal life? And the government went, well, no, because... Man, have you seen all the control we have over everything? We can manipulate the entire economy now. Yeah. We can punish anyone we disagree with using the emergency powers given to us by departments of health. Why the hell would we ever give that up? And I think the one thing that uh, any government that is in love with this COVID nonsense the one thing that they didn't ever want to go away was the amount of power with which they could ye- yield using coronavirus, except no one's afraid of it anymore. Everyone is exhausted by it. And the one thing that they can't have is all of these people gathering together and anyone looking out and going, oh my God, I'm not the only person who thinks that this is stupid because I've been being told by the media, by politicians that I'm a lone conspiracy theorist screaming into a dark void because everybody else around me agrees with this and is afraid of COVID. And that's not true, nor has it ever been true. Right. And that's why this is such a threat, because it is causing people to come to the realization that oh no, the majority of people are sick of this and think it's dumb. And all they've needed, this sounds maybe a little more romantic than necessary, but all they've needed was a hero. And those truckers are the heroes. Sure. And the amount, it's pretty standard fare, but it's also horrifying because these are just regular people. I mean, they, Honestly, these aren't, um, Alan made a really good point on our call last night. These are not activists. These aren't professional activists. These aren't like, there aren't big activist groups, you know, like these are 
everything that I have seen have come from just regular truckers. And what makes that so fascinating is how much they are being demonized in the press. Apparently not wanting mass mandates makes you a racist. Also, Hmm. there's some interesting stuff that I've seen that makes literally no sense to me. And that is, oh my God, all of these Canadian truckers are flying the Confederate flag. Does that make sense to anyone? Certainly doesn't make sense to me. I just, um, I feel like that is a, uh, well, I guess a false flag would be the (laughs) right term for it. Um, I feel like those are, that there are groups in the United States that are trying to paint a certain picture for U.S. audiences to discourage them from getting involved in something like this popping up in the United States. Yeah. So most, and the thing that we've talked about last night was that if there's a bunch of truckers flying the Confederate flag, it doesn't make that much sense. Either they see it as, well, people in the United States that are opposed to their regime clamping down on freedom, fly the Confederate flag. So maybe we should fly it too. Or it's a bunch of activists, you know, bringing out Confederate flags and waving them around simply to malign these truckers. Yeah, which is weird because that feels, well, I mean, I, I, uh, well, it, it, it's funny because like uh, Colleen is saying it's a synonym for social uprising. Right. That's true. But in the United States, in Canada, they have no connection to this. Um, and that, but that's what I mean is mm-hmm. if there's Canadians flying it because the Confederate flag is not as much of a part of can, of Canadian culture, they can't really claim a connection to it. Either they're they're doing it simply on a secondary basis. Mm-hmm. It would be Canadian truckers saying, "Well, I see the people in the United States that are pro-Trump, anti-government lockdown, pro-freedom. Associ- I'm told that they're associated with the Confederate flag, so maybe we should be too." Mm-hmm. Or I can see it as people on the left look drawing political cartoons, saying, "Well, what do I know? Confederate flags equal racism, equal right wing, equal equal people opposed to the government." I'm sure the truckers are probably flying this also. Uh, essentially, just it, it, it's the, it would be the same as dissident. It's the same as dissidents in Russia using the Confederate flag as simply saying, "Yeah, this means anti-government, right?" And mm-hmm. a bunch of people on the left would go, "No, it means racism." And both of those are kind of divorced from the real meaning of the flag that we would attribute in the United States, which is associated with the American Civil War, Southern pride, that sort of thing. None of that matters. It would be simply, what is the media report to all these other places that are, do not have a as much a connection to the Confederate flag? It would simply be the media perception of it, which is either anti-government or pro-racism. Somebody should take the rebel flag and change the colors a little bit and call it a Southern pride flag, but make pride all in caps. So then the LGBTQ movement gets really uncomfortable because they don't know what type of pride anyone's talking about. That'd be good. <laughs> Sorry. No, the um, I, I, I feel like the Lincoln Project went on a Canadian vacation is what happened. And I think that it's um, <laughs> I, I, I honestly do. I, I think that I think that uh, 
there are groups in the United States that are terrified of this type of thing taking root here, which, by the way, I've seen evidence that it is, uh, that there are truckers here are like, you know what? Great idea. And uh, they're they're going to head to Washington, D.C. to conduct a very similar um, protest. And I think that that scares the hell out of a lot of American political groups. And so they are attempting to get in front of it and malign it prior to it getting here because it's so uh, there's nothing hot button here. Right. So there's nothing political. Right. COVID's not political. Masks aren't political. The vaccine's not political. We've heard that for uh, for years now. None of this is political. Except for when you're on on the other side of it. Exactly. According to media reporting, if you take the logic that is used by the the mainstream media, if you take the logic that's used by politicians, whether it's in the United States or in Canada, a right-wing position, a far-right, by the way, a far-right position is being against mask mandates, being against vaccine mandates. Wanting to go back to normal life as it is instead of living in fear of COVID. Those are now, according to the press and the political elites, those are now far right extremist views. Which is fascinating because that is totally a modern invention. I've seen a number of political cartoons that come from Canada that are associating this trucker convoy with fascism and that to me is really interesting because this whole movement against these these restrictive COVID measures is being framed in terms of right versus left. But I'm being told that the virus isn't political. Mm-hmm. And isn't it interesting that people that are opposed to these lock, these measures about some virus, that has been transformed into a right versus left issue. That seems bizarre, but actually, when you think about it, kind of makes some sense. It, because this virus, the whole virus response is extremely political. Everyone knows it, and nobody, but everyone on the left wants to deny that because it would strip them of their moral authority about it. But that's exactly why they're framing it as a right versus left issue. And, it's, and this is totally a modern invention. This isn't gun rights or abortion or any of these other traditional right versus left differences. This is a brand new issue that we have watched in real time transition into right versus left divide. And well, that's very auspicious to me. Yeah, well, I mean, what confuses me is like, or not confuses me, but it's like, are we are we paying the media and the political elites for such great press? Because that's what that's what you're doing. You're, you're saying, well, if you want your life to go back to normal, you're a far right extremist. So everyone's going to go, well, I guess I'm on the right then. Yeah. Like, yeah. Who, who turns around and says, oh, well, no, I'm kind of OK with my life being completely upset over a virus that has basically not really affected me. Yeah. Like, if those are the lines that are drawn, then I don't see any reason why a progressive left would exist in the West post-COVID. Because that seems to be the line. Like, oh, do you want to go back to normal? And everyone, everyone goes, oh my God, I would love to go back to normal. And they go, well, you're obviously a Nazi. Like, dude, that's not (laughs) a, 
it, that's not an insult against Nazis. You're aware, right? You're making all of these uh, horrible groups that you say are evil sound good and like they are logical people, which maybe Nazis wasn't the best thing to use in this example, but in reality, that's how it's always been. Yeah, honestly, I think, especially for a younger generation of people, if someone starts claiming we're seeing, oh, a a horrible rise in neo-Nazism and people using Nazi imagery, and I think that is entirely because the left has spent so much time calling, if you call everything that the left doesn't like Nazism, eventually people that are opposed to the left are going to start going, well... If they call everything, if, if they say everything that they don't like is Nazis and they're wrong and lying, maybe the Nazis weren't so bad. Yeah. They're going to create a monster of their own. It's going to be a monster of their own creation, and it's going to be bizarre to watch. I mean, we're actually I, I think we're actually seeing it where a, a bunch, especially the you know younger generation people. Maybe not so much in the United States, but they're definitely. I see there are a lot of potential for people to start adopting essentially either Nazi symbolism. I'm talking about it because they know this is absolutely something that drives these, that drives people insane. It drives the adults crazy when you say anything positive about the Nazis. And a bunch of kids are probably going to go, yeah, I'm a rebellious teenager. What's the thing that's going to most drive my, my, my dumb liberal parents crazy? If I become a Nazi racist, because that's the one thing that they say is the worst possible thing. It's the same as like kids being like, I'm going to grow my hair long and be a hippie because that's going to make my dad really pissed off. They're setting themselves up for that. And that's going to be weird to see. Yeah, well, in, 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 in reality, I mean, I think the best part is that most people see it as the bullshit that it is like it, this is just so wild because uh, uh, all it does is it, is it proves that these accusations coming from the left about anything I disagree with is fascism, anything I disagree with is white supremacy, anything I disagree with is whatever, um, right. has always been bullshit. Because it just, especially in this situation, it just makes no sense. It just, it, And the worst part of it is, not that I would encourage it, they could have better arguments. They could just stick with, well, I think the reason why they don't is because they don't work anymore, but they could just stick with the unsafe aspect. They could just stick with COVID fear porn instead of trying to turn this into something that it's patently not, which ha- which is anything to do, oops, sorry, uh, which is anything to do with uh, racism or fascism. It's literally right. just people who want to go back to work who want to go back to living their lives. And you're saying that that's fascist. Well, okay, then what, then I guess fascism isn't bad. If yeah, well, that's fascism. The, the natural reaction is people are going to go, fine, I'm a fascist. If that, if that's what it takes to get back to normal, then fine. Yeah. I, and that's the, that's the going to be the counter reaction to a lot of this is it's the same with calling everything racist. Eventually people are going to go, okay, fine. I'm a racist. I don't care. Can we stop all the nonsense now? Right. Because and, and it's because that attack is nonsensical. And it's in it again, like think of the think of calling everything you don't like racist. It's not about racism. It's about 
you're opposed to the political domination of my side, so I'm going to invent a term that simply makes you shut up. And eventually that's going to lose its power, and people go, I care less about being called racist than I do about having my nation destroyed. So call me racist all you want. My point still stands that your side should is bad for the country. Yeah. It's, um... I don't know. It it is. It it's a fascinating situation. I think it's I think it's great because I think it's falling flat. Um, in in the concept of I think it's re, it's too revealing of the left. I think too many people are going to identify with these guys. Too many people are going to look at like truckers and farm workers and all of this. I mean, let let's just be honest here. The left has continually touted itself as being the party of the workers. And you right. have all the workers out there. And you have people like Justin Trudeau who flee the country. Hilarious. So Justin Trudeau fled when this trucker protest happened. And when people started pointing it out, it was, oh, well, uh, he has COVID. So let's yeah. just be honest here. Well, we we now know that that's bullshit. We've known for a while, right? When... When they were trying to scare the hell out of everybody with Omicron, um, because nobody was, nobody was, people were over it, right? When they started talking about the Omicron variant, everyone was like, yeah, but you said Delta was going to be bad and then nothing really happened. And So when they were really trying to scare the hell out of everybody, we shared this on the show a couple months ago, where all of the sudden, all of these politicians were like, oh my gosh, I tested positive for COVID in almost the exact same statement, by the way. Interesting. Like all of these Democrat politicians suddenly got COVID and they were at home recuperating. Oh, geez, isn't that crazy? And part of that was because everyone's like, how is it that none of our political elite or rich celebrities or like business moguls, how come none of them have caught COVID? And then all of a sudden in like a two week span when they were trying to push Omicron, they all suddenly tested positive for COVID, but none of them were hospitalized. None of them really, nothing really happened. Nobody died. Nancy Pelosi is still alive. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, Nancy Pelosi is still alive in a COVID world. Impossible. (laughs) Walking around maskless in San Francisco where human poo is literally on the sidewalks. Yet hasn't died of COVID. It must not be that serious. Like, I honestly think that that is, at least subconsciously, part of what people see. They look at these just ancient dust, like dust skeletons of political representatives shambling their corpses around and go, well, if they're not getting it, I'm not worried at, you know, 40. Yeah. I mean, there's something big to be said about that. I think... Personally, it's like Trump got COVID and then he was just kind of in the hospital for the weekend. And I think a lot of people, at least I certainly looked at and said, "Okay, clearly it's not that big a deal. Clearly it is survivable if you get it. And this basically this proves what I've suspected the whole time that COVID is massively overblown. A hundred percent. And to the point of it being political, as dumb as this is. Need I remind everyone that we are slowly approaching, if you believe the numbers, which I don't, one million COVID deaths. Oh. Okay. 
need I remind you that when it was when there was no vaccine and Trump was in office, we had something like three hundred and sixty thousand COVID deaths. Supposedly. Supposedly. Right. Right. Like we we've talked about how these numbers are BS. We've proven how these numbers are BS by pulling up people who have died in car accidents getting uh, listed as a COVID death. But it's been a year under Biden. And with a vaccine, according to their numbers, more people have died. Yeah. So obviously there's nothing you can do about it. It's. Are you supposed to do the same things harder that didn't work? I don't know. Mostly, COVID's nonsense, and we should all just stop caring about it. And anyone that does still care about it, you've been fed a bunch of nonsense. Mm-hmm. Now, GoFundMe decided to involve itself and prove that it works for the government, by the way. Yeah. So, people have donated millions, literally millions of dollars to uh, GoFundMe to help support the uh, Freedom Convoy. And the government of Canada and its police force demanded that GoFundMe not do, like, basically not support this. And GoFundMe attempted to steal something like $9 million. Yeah. So, if you, for those of you who don't understand, how, how, how GoFundMe makes its money is when you donate money to it, they take a percentage of it. That's how it works, right? That's that's how they make their money. Well, they got an infusion of something like 9 or $10 million from yeah. people wanting to support this trucker convoy. Which, again, think about that number. That's a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And people all across Canada started donating to this GoFundMe page to support these truckers who are occupying the capital to demand it into COVID measures. And they raised $9 million in a very short amount of time. Right. And GoFundMe shut it down at the request of the Canadian government and the request of the Canadian police. Yeah. But they attempted to pull basically, I don't know what what you'd call it, pull some bullshit where... Well, we're going to donate it to other causes. Right. So they ba- they said, well, it's come to our attention that this act that the GoFundMe is, is actually supporting a violent protest that violates our terms of service, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and essentially GoFundMe is now stealing all of that money and going to, quote, give it to worthy causes of our choice. Which essentially means we're going to steal all the money you right-wing people raised and give it to left-wing activists. Right. They tried to take the money that people had raised and give it away. Give it away to their own causes. And this caused a very big stir with people essentially saying, you can't just do that. And there was enough pressure placed on GoFundMe that they have since reversed this decision and are refunding everyone the money. Right. They, uh, yeah, they 100%, um, as, as Colleen points out, uh, they, they were going to take the money so BLM could buy more mansions. Yeah, but the thing is that they tried to do this and thought they could get away with it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah because <laughs> cause they thought that, well, they rightly thought um, that the uh, Western media would 
jump up behind them and support it and talk about they, they would just talk more about how hateful this trucker protest is. Now, just remember that uh, racist being racist and hateful and violent is you wanting your life to go back to normal. All of those things. Right. Um, so they thought that they'd get wild support. But it sounds like when you've got basically nine or ten million dollars at your disposal and people willing to give that kind of money, uh, it's, of course, going to occur that uh, somebody goes, well, all I need to do is take some money and get a good lawyer. And that lawyer went, hey, go fund me. You want to play this game? And they went, oh, no. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, I mean, that's their fault for being stupid. Uh, but. No, but the point of it is, is, is you're absolutely right. GoFundMe's plan was that they were going to steal all of that money and they were going to donate it to a bunch of dumb left-wing causes. Um, now, what's interesting is outside of the Freedom Convoy, but kind of more into the idea that like the left, the left seems to be, they're having a tough time. Um, I've, I've noticed it's hard for me to put words to it, but I think a lot of other people have, have seen it as well is that the left is reacting um, very, they're being very reactionary and very emotional. And I think a lot of it is because of things like coronavirus and these protests and just really um, just a lot of different stuff in general. Uh, They painted this rosy picture, like regular, not regular people on the left, but kind of the activist left painted this rosy picture of how life was going to be once they got rid of all of these evil fascist Nazis. Um, yeah. And the reality, I think, is coming down on them that, one, they there weren't any evil fascist Nazi white supremacists. They were all fake. And two, um, all of the people that they supported are making things worse. Like, Groceries are more expensive. Gas is more expensive. Like things aren't getting better. And I think they're losing their mind. And now the reason why I say that is Joe Biden is the president of the United States. The Democrats have control of the House of Representatives. The Democrats ostensibly have control of the United States Senate. Why is there a bunch of cancel culture and crazy nonsense and protests happening on the left? And I think people are losing their mind over that. I've got a story here that's, it, it it's like it's 2015 again. And I think you'll understand, uh, I didn't read, I didn't pre-read this to you, Alan, but I think you'll understand what I mean mm-hmm. when I say that this is like 2015 again. Um, this comes from uh, uh, the Washington Examiner. A group of students at Georgetown University Law Center demanded a space to cry and have catered food while staging a sit-in protest to promote the firing of embattled Professor Ela Shapiro. William Tenner, the dean of the law school, met with students during their protest Tuesday and promised the school would reimburse them for any food they had delivered to the sit-in. Quote, I don't know what it would look like, but if they want to cry, if they need to break down, where can they go? Because we're at a point where students are coming out of class to go to the bathroom to cry. Yeah. This is because Ela Shapiro uh, made fun of the fact that Joe Biden said he was going to keep his campaign promise of picking a black female Supreme Court justice. And Ela Shapiro accurately pointed out that, okay, so it's not about their qualifications. 
Mm-hmm. And the entire left went, re-racism! Yeah. And they Hilarious. Won't... Now, to give you guys a little bit, I don't know anything about Ilya Shapiro, but um, I will say that I already saw them trying to get him fired before he said anything about a Supreme Court justice. I already saw them protesting the fact that he was hired in the first place uh, because he's not a screeching liberal. So understand that. Like, we always have to point that out. This is, I think people give too much credit to cancel culture and to thinking that it's like, well, they found a bad thing. Um, and so they're reacting to it. And that kind of, like, makes them feel a little bit makes some people feel a little bit better about the whole cancel culture thing. When the reality is, it's like, no, 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 no. This person had a target on their back and they wanted to get rid of them. And then they went and dug up stuff and then twisted it around to try to justify the real thing that they wanted to do, which was, I hate this person and I want them gone because they say things I don't like. Yeah. Like you have to understand that none of this is ever organic. It always starts as we have to get rid of this person because they say things I don't like. Now let's inundate people with excuses and misinformation to support that position. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so that was just interesting. I like, I actually didn't pay a lot of attention to it because when people started bringing up the, uh, sit in protest, I didn't actually know it was because of a tweet. I was like, oh, well, yeah, they've been trying to get him fired ever since it was announced that he was coming over. And then it's like, oh, well, no, they actually found a tweet and it was like super kind of racist. I was like, okay, I don't believe that though, because they were trying to get rid of him the minute that it was announced he was being hired. So I don't care, but there's a better example of this that more people will understand, which is months ago on this program, we literally told everybody in our audience, Hey guys, the left is going to try to get rid of Joe Rogan. Right. And of course they are right. One of the big news stories that's out this week is more stuff, you know, magically more things that are coming out supposedly about Joe Rogan. Apparently he said a bunch of racist things 10 years ago. Right. Full disclosure, haven't listened to any of the clips. Do you know why? Because I don't care. Because I already know they're lying. Yeah. Ever since Joe Rogan, as we said on the program months ago, ever since he had the audacity to not die of COVID, we knew that the left was going to try to cancel him. So I don't care what people say about it. Additionally, (coughs) sorry, the way that they're trying to say this is they've unearthed episodes of Joe Rogan's podcast that were hidden in the depths where he said racist and transphobic things. Dude, it's the biggest podcast in the world. Everybody heard this. Everybody heard this when it happened. Everybody continued to hear it because it's the largest podcast in the world. Nobody cared until now. That's the reality of what's happening. And and you all know it. I just want to give you guys that gift of how, how real this is. Is it's like, oh, oh no, everyone already knew about it. Like the, um, whatever the clip is, uh, where he says the N word a lot, it had like 10 million people that had listened to it. 10 million people had heard this and were not offended by it because it's obviously not offensive. Right. The entire campaign to get Joe Rogan kicked off of Spotify is nothing but astroturfed nonsense supported by the government and big pharmaceutical companies because he was 
having on credentialed doctors that were exposing the malfeasance of the government during uh, surrounding this COVID nonsense. That's why. That is the only reason why any of this is happening, and it's why they sent legions of activists to dredge up dirt on Joe Rogan so that they could convince Spotify to remove his episodes because it was too inconvenient for the regime, their supporters, and their narrative. Which, I mean, is anyone shocked by that? No, this is exactly what they do all the time to a lot of people. All this cancel culture stuff is nothing but astroturfed efforts by the powers that be to silence people they find inconvenient. And what's fascinating is part of what we're pointing out here is the, um, when I say it looks like 2015, uh, that was when you had like things like Triglypuff and, you know, <laughs> uh, if you guys remember that whole character where, um, college students and everybody was, they were losing their mind and they wanted, basically they wanted all the bad things to go away. They didn't want anybody questioning anything. And, and what was revelatory about it was, um, times where it was, what was the term that they used? Well, first of all, it was trigger warnings. That was the big thing in like 2015. Um, but if you remember, Alan, what was, the, there was like a room that they were supposed to go to that, that all the, uh, the crazy libs, in college, they wanted a like a room or something, safe space. Sorry, yeah, uh, it, that was that was uh, that was the like dawning of the safe space. Right. Well, we're we're getting the same now. Now it's a cry room, right? So it's like a little bit more extreme. Yeah. Um, but what was fascinating about that was when you look back on it, especially, and we were talking about it. Um, you know, when we had first started the program, we talked about situations like this. And, and our opinion hasn't changed. But now that you look back on it with the 2020 of hindsight, it's these were reactions of the left to them losing power. This is how they react when they get that sense that they are losing power and credibility. So it's very right. interesting because that's happening now. The point I'm trying to make here is what happens when, when this, this occurs is they start lashing out. The left always needs someone to fight. They always have to be fighting some uh, feigned injustice. They have right. to have the a boogeyman. Mm -hmm. Right. The left's entire premise is that of eternal revolution. They're always a revolutionary movement fighting the oppressor, even when they hold, even when they hold pretty substantial institutional power. The only thing that legitimizes their efforts is the fact that they are pursuing a glorious rebellion against some oppressive force when it when they don't have power that oppressive force is the government when they do have power that oppressive force is regressive popular movements now and it's interesting because apparently part of the uh, solution to giving these people the boogeyman for them to fight is to start a war with russia <laughs> but yes we'll get to that in a second uh with some Probably one of the most fascinating clips I've seen in a very long time. But mm -hmm. additionally, you're even seeing people like Whoopi Goldberg get in trouble because right. she 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 basically said the Holocaust was white men fighting each other. It's like right. she said the okay. the she she made a comment on the View that 
the Holocaust was not about race. It was about man's inhumanity to man. Mm -hmm. Which promptly caused her to be suspended from the view and uh, all sorts of uh, gnashing of teeth from Jewish activist groups who were very quick to point out that, no, 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 it definitely was about race. The Jews are a distinct race from white people, and it definitely was about race, which is, again, very, it, it's just, it's funny how how this works. She was making a point that the Holocaust was bad, but she wasn't making it a point that it was bad enough. Mm -hmm. Now, there's no love lost with Whoopi Goldberg. I'm glad that she's getting in trouble. I think it's hilarious. It's sort of that that meme that everybody sees where it's just let them fight. Like, yeah, right. I, don't, I don't care at all. I, I'm not even going to defend Whoopi Goldberg's free speech uh, because Certainly she not. won't defend mine. She doesn't right. deserve my defense. But it is um, an, it highlights an interesting fight on the left where simultaneously they want to promote slavery of African-Americans was the worst thing that has ever happened in history. But then the Holocaust was also the worst thing that has ever happened in history. And the two groups essentially are primed to fight over which one was the worst thing to ever happen in history. And I think that is a very comical scenario whenever it rears its ugly head. Right. Because it, it's um, to, to really get to the point of it is which thing which thing is the thing that we're going to use to boil down to then um, attack our enemies with? Because just, you know, as as we've stated prior, in both of those situations, whether it be slavery or, or the Holocaust, uh, there's basically no one living that had anything to do with either of those situations. Right. But they are power bases that are continually used um, as cudgels to go after their political opposition. Exactly. So, okay. And by the way, this is what happens when your focus is identity politics. There has right. to be a bigger victim. If everyone's a victim and you use that as a political weapon, then you're inevitably going to have a fight. Basically the war of victimhood. Who's more of a victim of victimy victim? Right. And I love it. Like, I don't care. I think it's, I think it's silly. Um, I think it's hilarious that Whoopi Goldberg's being attacked for it. I think it's hilarious that the ADL basically said like, oh, well, you need to have a Jewish cast member now on The View. Like, that makes all of this so real quick. Because of the Supreme Court yeah. nominee, right? So the Joe Biden has said that he is going to put a black woman on the Supreme Court. And the defense that the left is using is that the court needs to reflect our nation. Now you have Whoopi Goldberg says a thing and she basically says that the Holocaust is bad, but not bad enough or whatever. And the ADL is saying, well, now you have to have a Jewish person on the view. To represent, to represent Jews. The left is going into the headspace, which we've all known that they were going to, but they're saying it out loud. This used to be the quiet part, now it's the out loud part, which is races are so inherently different that you have to have one of them there because it's impossible for anyone to understand them. As if... 
as if, think of it this way, it's as if these people speak a foreign language. If you do not have an interpreter, it is impossible for them to be understood. So the leftist position now is races are so divergent and different from each other. We lack so little, we have so little commonality that if you don't have, if a black man is on trial and he doesn't have a black judge, we can't say justice was done because there's there's no way a white person could possibly understand this black man. They're so different. We're too different. Right. And it all falls apart when you take it to its logical conclusion. These activists will never accept that a white man needs a white judge and a white jury or else justice isn't done. Because of that, the... Because the obvious hypocrisy and double standard of it, it proves that all of this is nothing but a political is but a political lie. Right. Now, what we actually know, to your point, is what they actually want is if we don't have somebody there that's been inundated with the proper talking points then they might take an accurate common sense and judicious approach to anything instead of ruling entirely based on emotion, self um, aggrandizement and victimhood to then push political narratives. Right. And it's all about friend versus enemy. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, that's what this is about is we need to, is we need to make sure that black people get let off of their crimes and so they can stay and stay on the street and we need to make sure that white people feel like they can't advocate for anything. And if they get caught trying to stop crime, then they're going to be thrown in jail. Mm-hmm. Like the whole goal is to create a system where white people are second class citizens and blacks are privileged citizens, because that's to the, to these people. That's the only system in which they can say racism has been defeated. Yeah. Yeah. R- racism. Yeah. To, to them, defeating racism is it's it's vengeance. Uh, right. Vengeance for crimes that they did not, they, that they were not privy to uh, against people who did not commit them. Right. And because their entire idea about what is oppression and nonsense is essentially based on power, it is we need to give these privileged groups institutional power over the oppressor group. And that's the only way we will have proof that we have solved the racist problem. Right. Or that's not even the racist problem. That's the proof that we will have that we have solved the oppression problem. It's the same as what happened in the Soviet Union, where they said we are going to take groups that when we when the workers have the whip hand over the kulaks, over the bourgeoisie and are brutally oppressing them. Only then will we know that the revolution has been successful. Yeah, it's it's. uh... No, I mean, yeah, and that's exactly, I think everybody sees that, right? Like when, when, as you say, when you start taking it to its logical conclusion, it is 100% like it all needs to be activism. You you need to be fighting the great enemy or, or what have you. Now, speaking of great enemies and made up boogeymen, uh, Russia, yeah. Ukraine is still a thing. Um I have so many thoughts on this, but we can only get into some of them, but I'm going to play a clip and it's a bit long and I, 
I'm going to apologize um, ahead of time because, at least to me, uh, this is exhausting to listen to. Um, and the kind of long story short on it is this is a discussion. I'm trying to figure out who it was actually with, uh, who this guy's representing. I believe it was the State Department, but I want to um, make sure I get it accurate. I'm trying to pull up the tweet right now, Alan. Um, where did it go? <laughs> there it is. I found it. Um, so yeah, it's the state department, um, state department, uh, spokesman, Ned price. And, uh, this is a discussion. This is from C-SPAN. This is a discussion between the state department and an associated press reporter, uh, it's like I said, it's a little bit long, but I want you guys to hear all of it so you can fully absorb what's or not all of it, but most of it. So you can fully absorb what's going on here. So uh, here's the clip is what we. What... So you said actions such as these suggest otherwise suggest meaning that they suggest they're not interested in talks and they're going to go ahead with some kind of a, what action are you talking about? One, the actions I've just pointed to uh, the what fact action. The, the fact that Russia continues to engage uh, in disinformation well, uh, campaigns. You, know, you made an allegation that they might do that. Have they actually done it? Uh, what we know, Matt, is what we what I have just said that they have engaged in this activity, well, uh, in this planning well, activity. But, but let me let me because because obviously this is not this is not the first time we've made uh, these reports public. You'll remember that just a few well, weeks I, ago. I'm sorry, you, made, made, made what report public? If you and, let me finish, I will okay. tell you what report we made okay. public. Uh, we told you a few weeks ago that we have information indicating Russia also has already prepositioned a group of operatives to conduct a false flag operation in eastern Ukraine. So that, Matt, to your question, is an action that Russia has already well, taken. It's an action that you say that they have taken, but you have shown no evidence to, 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 to confirm that. And I'm going to get to the next question here, which is, what is the evidence that they, I mean, this is like crisis actors, really? This is like Alex Jones territory you're getting into now. Um, what evidence do you have to support the idea that there is some propaganda film in the, in, in the making? Matt, this is derived uh, from information known to the U.S. government, intelligence information that we have declassified. I think you well, know. Okay, well, where, where is it? Where, where is this information? It is intelligence information that we have declassified. Well, where is it? Where is the declassified information? I just delivered it. But, no, you made a series of allegations and statements. Would you, would you like us to print it out the topper? Because you will see a transcript of this briefing that you can print out for that, yourself. That's not evidence, Ned. That's you saying it. That's not evidence. I'm sorry. <laughs> what would you like, Matt? I, I would like to see some proof that you, that, 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 that you can show that... that Matt, you have that, been that, that shows you, that 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 you, shows that the Russians are doing this. Ned, I've been doing this for. a I long know that time. was my point. As, you as, you as have you, know. you you have been doing this for quite a while. You know I that have. when we declassify intelligence That's information, right. and I we do so in, in a means. In we do and so. I, and, we do so with an eye to protecting that, that sources Kabul and methods. Is not going to fall. I, I remember a lot of things. So where, where where is the declassified information other than you coming out here and saying? 
Matt, I'm sorry you don't like the format, uh, but we have it's declassified. It's not the format; it's the content. I'm sorry you don't like the content. I'm sorry it's you. I'm sorry like you are doubting just... the information that is in the possession of the U.S. government. No, I... I, what I'm telling you is that this is information that's available to us. We are making it available to you uh, in order uh, for a couple reasons. One is to attempt to deter the Russians from going ahead with this activity. Two, in the event we're not able to do that, in the event the Russians do go ahead with this, to make it clear as day, to lay bare the fact that this has always been an attempt on the part of the Russian Federation to fabricate a pretext. Yeah, but you don't have any, any evidence to back it up other than what you're saying. It's like you're saying, we think we, we, we have information that the Russians may do this. But you won't tell us what the information well, is. That, and then when, when, that, when you're that, asked... That, that is the idea behind when, deterrence, Matt. When, that is the idea behind asked, deterrence. And when it is asked, our hope that the Russians don't go forward with this. when you're what the information is, you say, I just gave it to you. But that, that's not what... You, you seem not to not understand the, you seem not to no, understand no, no, the idea of deterrence. Understand. We are you trying seem to not deter the Russians from moving forward with this type of activity. That is... So, the claim and the statement is that Russia is preparing a false flag with crisis actors. Russia is going to do a false flag operation with crisis actors. And when the and they're currently engaging in disinformation, all of these other things. And when the state department or when the reporter says, "Okay, but like do you have any proof of any of this?" You're saying that they have a, that there's a bunch of disinformation out there. You're saying that they're going to engage in a false flag operation with crisis actors. What's your proof? And the guy says, "Well, we derived it from intelligence." And uh, we declassified it. And he goes, oh, awesome. Can I see the declassified report? Which, by the way, that that's that's 100% a thing. You know, can I see the declassified report where it would say unclassified information? And it would say something as sources have indicated that Russia has um, anywhere between 40 and 80 people staged for this uh, based on intelligence intercepts or what have you. Um, and they, they would they would give more information, and we we've been able to grab this and that. Instead, he says, "Well, I'm I'm telling you, that's the report, and it's the information uh, right. of the U.S. government." By by the way, you know what this is? You you know what this exact tactic is? Experts say for sure it's well. The experts said so, and you just have to believe it. And if you don't believe it, then you're questioning. The U.S. got what? Are, are you a Russian propagandist? How dare you ask us to back up allegations like false flag attempts with crisis actors? Now, I remember just a few short months ago, anyone, anywhere who said that governments participate in false flag operations, those were called conspiracy theorists. That was the surest way that you knew someone was a conspiracy theorist was because they claimed false flags and crisis actors, right? Right. The argument was never, well, the United States would never do that, but it is absolutely something that can happen. Have you ever heard anyone say it that way, Alan? Certainly not. Right. It's always... Oh my God, let me guess, crisis actors? What are you, Alex Jones is the Sandy Hook? That was all, that was insanity. The suggestion that false right. flags happen was a conspiracy theory. Now, the official position, and understand that, the official position, according to the United States State Department, 
is that false flags are entirely possible. They're not a conspiracy theory. It's just now a conspiracy theory to think that the United States government would do it. Yeah. And I'm going to say that I find this very hard to believe. The United States government, in their attempt to get the American people to support a war in the Ukraine, which Alan has very aptly pointed out, that... Now that Afghanistan is over and we withdrew, there's an entire giant swath of funding uh, that was all applied to the global war on terror, which has now ended. And what are government programs good for, aside from trying to find reasons to justify their budgets? I mean, there, there should be, now that the global war on terror has pretty much come to an end, there should be massive budget cuts because we're no longer fighting a war. But they're not going to do right. that. And so what happens? I mean, we just have to be honest about it. Regardless of your feelings about Russia, regardless about your feelings about Ukraine, we have to be honest about the fact that the Department of Defense, the State Department, defense contracting, an entire military industrial complex has to sit there and go, well, we're not going to just stop taking all that money, but we can't justify it without a reason. So what if we start a war? You have to at least accept that that's a possibility. Yeah. Well, and so with this guy's bizarre press conference, it is the most generous interpretation is that this guy essentially just read a briefing a report, if you will, that said, unclassified, Russia is going to use crisis actors to do a thing. The next paragraph below that was probably top secret. Here's the actual information derived from these sources that have to be protected. The actual, you know, if there was proof, that would be the proof. And so in this press briefing, the guy says, is probably sitting there going, I mean, I just read the report. I can't tell you if there was proof. He should have just said, I can't tell you the actual proof because it would compromise our sources and methods. But he doesn't say that. He simply just doubles down on, I don't understand. Why don't you just believe me? I'm telling you this information. You should just take what I have to say at face value and believe what the government says. And this journalist is very reasonably saying, you lied about WMDs in Iraq. You lied about the pullout from Kabul, you've lied about American drone strikes, you've lied about all these things, I can't just believe what that what you're telling me as justification for military action against the Ukraine, against the Russians. And it's ridiculous the level of indignancy that this representative of the government gives him, essentially saying, I don't understand. It's your fault that you don't believe me, the government, when I tell you this information that could be used to instigate a war. And it's it's very possible that there is a Russian group that's going to perpetrate false flags. That's maybe, maybe not. But the response from this from this journalist, this interchange is fascinating to watch because this government guy can't seems seemingly refuses to accept that the government has zero credibility about these things anymore. Mm hmm. Now, just to remember, like what Alan just pointed out, 
not not very long ago uh, during the failed withdrawal from Afghanistan, uh, there was a drone strike conducted by the you know United States military, and um, without getting into the debate of you know accidentally hitting the wrong group because we we understand that that can happen as as people who were in in the army as people who were intelligence analysts it's it's less about the why or the how it's more about the fact that they what really happened was a drone strike was conducted and it bombed a car that was full of a family it killed children yeah and so to be fair regardless if the guy actually was a terrorist or anything you killed you killed kids you killed children and they tried to lie about it we watched this happen in real time they tried to lie about it and say no we killed like three isis terrorists there were two that never we never heard anything about they claimed that like we don't even know if they actually happened they claimed that they took out three isis terrorists that were involved um with the attack that happened at the airport uh that killed like what was it 12 service members um yeah Yeah. so they claimed that they got retribution for it. In reality, the only one that we're actually aware of was this car that got blown up that had children in it. And then the DOD, the Biden administration, the State Department, all of them came together and basically said, no, 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 no. We, we, we killed the terrorist. It was awesome. It was great. We totally we totally took them out. Uh, we, we killed the shit out of them. We're so good at this. Uh, we're so awesome. Um, but in reality... If we hadn't had this, understand this, if there was not someone that was on the ground and able to access Twitter to show video of the blown up car and buildings and the bodies of innocent civilians that were dead, we would have never known because the liberal media was not cut, was not carrying it. They were going along with the great lead, dear leader, Joe Biden killed ISIS terrorists. He's so great. But in reality, yeah. they didn't. And they tried to lie about it and then once it was too much, they just stopped talking about it. Yeah. And so understand that to this now. We have a government that will actively lie to the American people. We watched them do it. This is no small, this isn't just a ha ha ha, take that libs. This is a very shocking situation where the government tried to lie and they thought that they could get away with it. Once it got to be too much, they just stopped talking about it and then memory hold it. But the reality is, is the government killed a bunch of civilians accidentally and then tried to lie to the American people about it. So yes, I am going to be very suspicious when they say, oh, we have evidence that Russia's going to do a false flag with crisis actors to give them a, a reason to attack Ukraine. What that sounds like, like, am I insane for saying, okay, so I feel like this is the government's way of saying that they're going to stage a false flag to get the Russians to attack. Why is that? Why is that a crazier conspiracy theory than the other way around? So I think it's going to go something like this. The U.S. government, for a little while now, has been constantly promoting this idea of Russia's going to make these false flags, which will legitimize an invasion of the Ukraine. I think a lot of this is probably possibly false. 
It is designed to prime the American people to ex- to accept the idea that Russia is looking for an excuse to invade. Then it will it would not surprise me if say they get a bunch they get maybe I don't know a CIA asset in the Ukraine or a group of Ukrainian freedom fighters of dubious background attack a Russian outpost or launch some mortars against Russian positions and the Russians retaliate with airstrikes or something like that. And then the U.S. is going to say, see, they're just, they are claiming there was a, this, there was an attack on Russian forces and that's just their excuse to invade when the reality is going to be Russian forces were legitimately attacked and they're responding with airstrikes or artillery fire. But everyone in the United States will The idea, I think, would be that people in the United States won't believe the Russians when they say, we had some dudes just murder a bunch of ethnic Russians in Crimea, and we now have to respond to protect ethnic Russian communities. They will think, oh, this must be that Russian flag that I was primed to hear about for weeks on end before it happened. Mm -hmm. And the hard part is we may, we'll never know about these things. But I do have to... The American government does have a history of being of at least accepting the use of false flag attacks to drive action that it wants to happen. There are numerous examples of the U.S. government approving these ideas as a viable tool of foreign policy. For example, the United States wanted to invade Iraq, but had to create this whole scare about WMD proliferation in order to justify it. And it seemingly does, it certainly does seem that the big push for Iraq was the the Iraqis are trying to buy yellow cake uranium and proliferate nuclear weapons to terrorists. That seems to be completely false. Now, the Iraqis did have a WMD program. They certainly did have chemical weapons that they used against the Kurds and the Iranians. All of those weapons mysteriously disappeared probably into Syria when the U.S. invaded. But the idea that the Iraqis were buying yellow cake uranium to build a nuclear weapon to give to terrorists was an invention of the U.S. State Department to justify going to war. It is the same with during the Cuban Missile Crisis. There was a plan that was approved through the Pentagon and presented to the president as a possible option called Operation Northwoods that involved the U.S. Defense Department staging false flag attacks on U.S. cities to justify, in the name of Cuba, to justify U.S. military invasion of Cuba. That plan was approved through the Pentagon and presented to the president. So clearly these things are not out of the realm of possibility for the U.S. government to consider. So we have to kind of look at, unfortunately, we are in the situation where you can't trust the U.S. government to be above board about these things. And because they're essentially saying all of the information is behind this wall of secrecy, you just have to take our word for it. Well, anymore, their word's no good. Mm -hmm. And that puts us in the situation where we can't trust the U.S. government. You can't really trust the Russians. And... What do what what do we believe is true? Well, we have to believe what's in front of us and believe our own eyes. And unfortunately, since we're not in the Ukraine, all of this has to be treated with a great degree of suspicion. Well, and and that's so so that's the funny thing is now that we've crossed this Rubicon where false flags 
uh, false flags and crisis actors are no longer crazy conspiracy theories and instead are legitimate intelligence. Uh, according to the United States State Department, uh, it begs the question of, okay, so why, what would keep the United States government from conducting such operations? Why wouldn't they? Why wouldn't they? If it, I, if I, clearly, the United States has demonstrated that it clearly wants to get involved in the Ukraine mm-hmm. to a great deal. In 2008, they basically said, we want Ukraine to join NATO. Then in 2014, they supported a coup that kicked out the Russian-leaning government and installed a Western-leaning political establishment. They've been support they Biden and friends. They've all been heavily invested with Ukrainian money. They have all of these ties to Ukrainian businesses with Ukrainian finances. They have been tr- clearly heavily involved in the Ukraine with Ukrainian oligarchs. There's a ton of money flowing around. Hunter Biden was getting millions from the Ukrainians. The idea that the West would manufacture some crisis to get further involved into Ukraine and capture it into the sphere of Western influence is absolutely reasonable mm-hmm. based on the history of political connection and corruption that goes on between the U.S. government and the Ukrainian government. Clearly, they want to get involved in the Ukraine, and it is absolutely reasonable that they would manufacture a reason to do it. Right, and... And like 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 I was pointing out, since the State Department has now said that this is a distinct possibility, you just have to ask yourself, okay, is the government is the United States government so much more moral than the Russians that they would never participate in this kind of activity? And you have to just I'm just saying as as anybody who might be. Doubtful of this or, or what have you, just ask yourself that question and tell me whether or not is your answer yes? Is your answer actually uh, yes? I believe that the United States government is way too moral to participate in that type of activity. And I just don't think, especially now with a government that lied about a drone strike to try to convince people that Biden wasn't failing horribly, um, has lied about countless other things. And need I remind you when we, you know, when we talk about things like a wag the dog type scenario, we're coming up on a midterm election where the current party that's in power is looking like it's going to get almost wiped out. There is large scale sentiment, not just in the United States, but worldwide against the politics of these progressives and the current power structure so would they false would, would they fake a war? Would they create would they create a situation which would give them the opportunity to go to war so the 24-hour news cycle is war 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 and people are distracted about the worrying the the worrying about the coming of the great Russian threat on the shores of the United States or something all to distract them from the fact that their lives are miserable under this idiotic regime and that their, their their livelihoods, the American way of life, has been fundamentally changed for two years to no effect and for reasonings that no one can justify any longer. Are you well, se- And are- secondarily, mm-hmm. and it, that in combination with a ton of the people in the United States government, like Hunter Biden, like 
uh, well, Hunter Biden is the big example. Clearly, the Bidens are involved heavily with Ukrainian businesses, with Ukrainian oligarchs. There is a lot of money to be made in the Ukraine that they have spent the last couple decades becoming involved with. And there is a huge amount of money to be made by very influential defense contractors, defense supporting agencies, essentially the military industrial complex lost its biggest source of income in the global war on terror after the pullout from Afghanistan and Iraq. Those people really, really, really want the gravy train to start rolling again. And the Biden administration wants to deflect criticism of itself into a foreign war scenario. All of those forces together are pushing, which are very powerful forces with a lot of interested parties, would be heavily benefited by a Russian invasion of the Ukraine and the U.S. throwing its the weight of its military industrial complex behind supporting and funding the Ukrainians against the Russians. So there is a huge benefit. The benefits to the regime of a Russian invasion of a, quote, Russian invasion of Ukraine are vastly outstripped by what they perceive are the negatives. Right. And, and I mean, <clears throat> like I said uh, earlier, regardless of how you feel about the whole Russia and Ukraine business, these are data points that you have to accept. Yeah. And I just, I, I, I mean that because I, I'm mo mostly just, like I, I'm, I'm saying that because there might be some legitimacy, maybe, but I find it doubtful. Like you can think that Russia's bad and that Ukraine is also bad. I think we've brought this up on the show before, wanting to make sure that that people understood that. Like it, the reason why why I harp on that as, as much as I do is because we are slowly walking into the situation where if you question any movement of the United States government in reference to Ukraine or war with Ukraine or or sorry war in Ukraine against Russia it's going to become a if you don't agree with everything that the United States does uh then you're obviously a Russian propagandist sure like and so I'm I'm creating I'm I'm creating that. Uh I'm 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 building that out because of how terrifying that is. Yeah. So Okay. And I don't know. It's just uh it's just how it is. I don't know. It is. Uh, it's the and based on their statements, it's hard to believe what the U.S. government says about foreign policy, especially because these are the exact same people that wanted to go into Iraq, that lied about Afghanistan, that lied about these drone strikes. Obama was drone striking people all over the world with Joe Biden as his vice president. They never took accountability for any of this. And mm -hmm. I no longer can trust that what the U.S. government says about foreign policy is actually true because they have a clear they have a clear history of doing things that are a lie to the American people only to benefit themselves in a small elite group. So, right. no, I don't believe when they just tell me, oh, Russia's going to do all these big, bad things. You know what? I can't really believe that. And also, I don't care. OK, <laughs> Russia states false blacks attacks in Ukraine. I don't really care. Russia invades the Ukraine. I honestly don't care that much about that either. I don't I certainly don't care enough about Russia invading the Ukraine to commit U.S. blood and treasure. 
Because why? Make what's the case? Make that case to me. And they're not doing that. They're simply saying Putin bad. Support our war effort. And I don't want to stand for it. And I think a lot of Americans are war weary. Don't want to stand for it. How about you deploy the U.S. military to our own borders rather than the borders of the Ukraine? Right. Yeah, 100 percent. I don't know. It's um, it, it's so hard when I when I look at uh, when when I look at what's going on, and especially especially when um, it, it looks like we may have lost Alan, but that's okay. He'll come back. Um, it's so hard when I look at what's going on. It is difficult for me not to look at this and say like it, it, everything about this speaks in a way that makes me a hundred percent believe um, that the United States government basically that, that Biden is doing all of this Ukraine nonsense um, because he wants to distract from his awful approval ratings. The fact that they're about to lose their ass um, throughout um, that. Yeah. That they're going to, they're going to lose their ass throughout um, everything when it comes to the midterms that they're losing power, that people are kind of seeing through the veil, all of this is happening. And so it's just difficult for me to accept that they would be above board here. And I, I don't, I don't think I'm out of my mind. Um, I just, I really don't. And to, uh, Alan's earlier point, why do I care? Why, why, like, why is the United States concerned about what happens with Ukraine? If the answer is, well, Russia's just so bad and they're super oppressive, well, then justify going to war with them. Because that's, that, that's the new thing. That, that's the new, like, elite wave that's been happening for basically the last 20, 30 years. Is we justify proxy wars because the people on the other side of the proxy war are super bad but we don't go to we don't go to war with those people we just fight wars in other countries we completely ruin and destroy other countries on the justification that somebody else on the other side is super bad and if that's true then justify going to war with that group if you can't do it then stop and you know a lot of this i i hate to say it is entirely justified by the fact that I'm a veteran and you know, a lot of my friends are and as a veteran, as somebody who served in the United States military, I'm not a fucking pawn for Joe Biden's approval ratings. I'm not a pawn to justify the stock price of Raytheon. I'm not a pawn to go out and give CNN an excuse to not talk about all of the uh, weird diddling that seems to be happening in their back office. I'm not a pawn to distract the American people from the failings of the elites in government and their efforts to grab onto um, any excuse to not talk about what's happening. And to not address the needs, concerns, and worries of the American people. And this goes into a a far deeper situation because, you know, we've pointed out the tactic that's being used across the left right now. Ah, it looks like Alan's back. If you guys can all hear the ringer. 
Welcome back, Alan. Thank you. I'm only going to assume that when I get knocked off of the internet, which happens with just enough frequency to be very irritating, it's because a sea lion is chewing on an undersea cable or a pelican is has landed a building a nest on top of a cell tower or something ridiculous like that. There's some satellite dish somewhere that pumps my internet to, you know, God knows where. And there's currently a pelican building a nest on it. That's just what I assume happens. Uh, because that's at least more fun than the infrastructure in Seattle is garbage and deteriorating as we speak. <laughs> I, uh... Yeah. <laughs> um, I was just uh, getting to the point where uh, we were talking about. Um, well, I was talking about basically us being uh, the, the United States military being used as a pawn to uh, go after Joe Biden's terrible approval rating. But I was sure. also kind of caveating that into a tactic that we've pointed out regularly, which is whenever uh, Americans are bringing up things like inflation, the cost of goods, the lack of goods, the supply chain issues, the left wing response appears to be uh, your your concerns are stupid and you're stupid for having them. You should be more worried about this other thing. Like. Your your concerns about gas being more expensive are dumb. You should be more concerned about what's happening with the filibuster. <laughs> I'm serious. Like, oh, ye old filibuster. Like, oh, you uh, you can't buy beef and meat for your family. Well, let's talk about how Joe Manchin's big and mean because he's not passing a trillion dollar infrastructure budget. Yeah. And it's amazing because let's just be honest. Uh, it's not that Washington DC changed folks. It's that we're literally just seeing the truth. Like they yeah. don't care that you're starving. There's too many of you on the planet anyway. And you know, climate change or something. <laughs> yeah. Ye old climate change. Ye old climate change. Huh? I, uh, yeah, I just, it, that's exactly what's happening. And a lot of this is 100%, um, BS. I just, uh, I can't yeah. I literally, I literally can't even, I know. um, what else was there? I've, I have my show notes. We're just going to throw them out the window. Forget them. <laughs> well, we well, so there we could we could talk about the makeup of the Ukrainian sort of nationalist movement and how well, it's This is going to be a very interesting. So this is this is interesting because um more proof to the idea that like that the media is lying about stuff and that the media is covering certain things up because there have been several Almost, it was about a year ago or so. Uh, Alan and I talked about this. I don't know how much we got into it on the program. I know we we touched on it a little bit a couple weeks ago, but there were, for some weird reason, there were a lot of interesting media reports from places like Time Magazine and Vice and whomever, where they were focusing on a 
very strange aspect of the Ukrainian army. And that is the fact that they have uh, groups like the Azov Battalion, um, which is uh, a battalion that uses a lot of Nazi symbolism. And they call them white supremacists. And so it's interesting that in a reactionary media like what we have, um, it's interesting that we would not see. um, So we want to say interesting that they wouldn't bring that up. Right. Like you have Whoopi Goldberg, who basically says that the Holocaust wasn't as or basically says something that people take as it not being as bad. Uh, the media is very concerned about whether or not there's a white supremacist within a few square blocks of anything. Yet they're ignoring what the media, them they themselves, Time Magazine, Vice, you know, other other news organizations have said is a white supremacist neo-Nazi unit within the Ukrainian army. Now, there is an explanation. There's been some research done. Um but that doesn't change the fact that why would the Western media be silent about this? Because they're very concerned about these things. But Alan, go ahead. Uh, explain a little bit of what you found. So there has been this thing that has been, that we've noticed for a while that about there's of all these Ukrainian militias, mostly from Western Ukraine, organized around 2014 when there was a big coup to oust the Russia-leaning president in favor of a Western-backed government. And these Western Ukrainian militias often adopt basically neo-Nazi symbolism, SS SS death's head symbols, SS runes. This has been noticed in Western media, and they keep calling them neo-Nazis, neo-Nazis and white supremacists. And I've always thought that was really weird because these are the people that the West is essentially backing. And it's also strange to me because Ukraine, for a good chunk of time after 2014, had a Jewish president and Jewish prime minister. And it was very strange that those guys would be giving money and arms to officially recognized Ukrainian militias that were integrated into the Ukrainian Defense Department that were also using all these neo-Nazi symbols. And I think what this really goes to show is the limited understanding we have in the West based on our own academia and media there and their disservice to actually teaching a comprehensive historical picture about world war ii so a lot of this goes back to in world war ii the nazis of course invade russia well they invade across ukraine first it's the first place it got invaded and the ukrainians welcome them as liberators because to them the Nazis were better than the communist regime that had just murdered millions of Ukrainians in the forced starvation program known as the Holodomor. So the Nazis invade Ukraine, and suddenly there pops up this strong Ukrainian nationalist movement, mostly in Western Ukraine, that started something called the Ukrainian Insurgent Army. And this was a group, a large group of Ukrainian volunteers that joined up to fight ostensibly with the Nazis against the Soviet Union in order to establish an independent and free Ukraine. After the Soviet Union fell, these guys essentially started being treated as heroes by the new independent Ukrainian government in the 90s. And they would have, there's basically, there's a bunch of pictures out there of 
parades they'd have, of these memorials that got made to all of these brave Ukrainians in World War II that fought for Ukrainian independence, and they battled the Soviet Union up until the 50s. These guys were waging an insurgent war from the forests against Soviet authorities, against Stalin's Soviet, Soviet Union into the 50s with no backing by anybody else. And they were all getting murdered and sent off to the gulags. And they basically fought this almost glorious last stand for Ukrainian nationalism after the end of World War II. And the symbolism that these, if you look at the pictures of these marches memorializing the Ukrainians that fought against the Nazis, against the Soviet Union to for a free Ukraine in World War II, they will be using a lot of the same flags and insignias that you see these modern Ukrainian nationalist militias that are arrayed against Russia now have also adopted. And that makes this make a lot more sense because to, it seems like to the Ukrainians, because all these Ukrainian militias will acknowledge, well, we're not Nazis, we're not national socialists, we're Ukrainian nationalists. And it looks really strange to us in the West when we say, well, why are you adopting Nazi symbolism? I think the answer is all of these Ukrainian young men who grew up in the 90s looking at their you know, grandpa who was secretly part of this Ukrainian insurgency in World War II that fought the Soviet Union for freedom – He's got an iron cross on his jacket. He's got an, some SS flags that were given to him by the Nazis. He's got a hat. He's got a Nazi hat. And he, when he describes, he says, yeah, they were giving us money. They were giving us guns. They were allowing us to fight the Soviet Union for freedom. They were allies of convenience. And I can see how if you were a young Ukrainian man, you would say, well, I'm going to adopt all the symbols of grandpa's resistance against Russia in my resistance against Russia. And that is totally not talked about by any Western media that simply sees any of the, this, I guess, Nazi symbolism and goes, well, they must be Nazis. They must be white supremacists. Nazi only means anti-Semitism. Whereas to a lot of people in Eastern Europe, it would not surprise me if the Nazis rep were more likely to represent the fight against communists than where they were specific anti-Semitism like we see in the United States. But it's still uniquely incredible because that should be wholly, like, by, by Western media standards, that should be wholly unacceptable. Right. It should be wholly and entirely unacceptable, not allowed whatsoever. Because, I mean, so much of what happened in Ukraine is all like is all bad. Like, you know what I mean? Like they, there was a coup. Uh, they have violent gangs that fly like Nazi. Like everything that is going on in Ukraine are things that they accuse of happening on the political right in the United States. Yet right. for some reason it's not bad. Much like much like the whole false flag thing. False flags are impossible to happen unless they happen here. Like apparently the Ukraine has some sort of magic. Yeah. That makes it to where we don't have to be completely um Yeah, it has some sort of some sort of magic where everything is backwards and upside down and it's all fine. Exactly. 
So I, I think that's just a fascinating facet because it seems so strange that there were neo-Nazis in the Ukraine. But when you actually look into it, it's probably a bunch of Ukrainian dudes that are instigating this probably what must be kind of a scary fight that we're going to go fight the Russian army. And they're dredging up this history, this, you know, all this his historic symbolism and adopting it for their movement, much like how modern day U.S., like sort of think of the, the Tea Party. What was the flag of the Tea Party? It wasn't a brand new invention. It was a flag from the American Revolution because they were adopting the symbolisms of their the symbolism of their past to promote their modern movement. And it's, I think, the same thing with a lot of these Ukrainians is they think, well, when was the last time we fought against Russia? During World War II in association with the, with the Nazis. And the same symbols that those guys used, the same flags that those guys used, we're going to adopt those today to give power to power and meaning to our current movement. Right. No, and, and it's <clears throat> it's fascinating because once again, like you take a look at Ukraine, and to me, it's basically just a money laundering scheme uh, for the West and a mm -hmm. money laundering scheme for um, mostly like the Biden family. And so, yeah, it, it, uh, it's just I don't want to say I don't want to sound dumb. Like I, I hate the. Uh, the commentator perspective of acting shocked or surprised by things that are not shocking nor surprising. Um, right. But you sit there and go like, yeah, interesting, interesting that Western media ignores this interesting that they ignore this aspect. Yeah. So, um, well, and it, it just goes to show the total difference in history perception around the world that we in the United States don't really have the luxury of. In the United States, we're assaulted with all of these, the, the, quote, correct interpretation of World War II. Yet we have movies like Schindler's List. We have all of these things because in the United States, World War II is America fighting the evil anti-Semitic Nazis. And that's as deep as you're allowed to read into it. Whereas it's much more complicated for other people that were truly a lot more central into the conflict. And... I think that deserves a lot more recognition because World War II is a much more complicated is a much more complicated thing with a much greater impact on the current world that a lot of people give it credit for. Yeah. And I don't know. It, it's um I I just I find it notable and laughable uh because mm -hmm. because of everything that like there's so many conflicts now that are going on within the statements of what's happening. For example, like the the January 6th committee is it's still a thing. Mm -hmm. And now I mean, it was supposed to be an investigation into this great oh my gosh, this threat to democracy and attempted coup all of which, of course, we say, you know, we show are completely untrue. But here we are. They've expanded it. They now want text messages and phone calls and any discussions that have happened between God and anybody because, weirdly enough, apparently they still want to try to put Donald Trump in jail for some reason. Yeah, and, I guess. And we're hearing about how awful and terrible these things are, except we're also supporting a country that did the exact same thing. Yeah. But actually like really did it. 
had a violent overthrow of the government. Right, right. Which, that's actually that's a very good point, is the current Ukrainian government, you could call illegitimate because it legitimately it there was a coup against its legitimately elected government to establish a government that is functionally illegitimate to the people in eastern Ukraine. This would be I, I would liken last night, I likened the situation in Ukraine similar to if there was a coup that ousted Donald Trump from power and then the new U.S. government that is only comprised of the people that won the coup canceling the canceling the state legislature of Texas. And then the state legislature of Texas saying, well, we're going to vote to join Mexico so we have some military force able to protect us against the United States. That's essentially what happened to the Crimea, is the Crimeans, that there was a coup, the Crimeans lost all political representation, the new government of the Ukraine canceled the the sovereignty of the Crimean people and and demanded their parliament be closed, and then the Crimean people said... Clearly, the new Ukrainian government that just forcibly ousted the guy we elected is going to come and destroy our civil liberties. We we're going to vote to join Russia so we have someone able to protect us. Yeah, I mean. And this is, is who the U.S. government supports. Right. The U.S. government is throwing its support behind a government that is the that has been, was generated by a coup against the rightfully elected president. Yeah, and now, you know, don't don't misunderstand. Like, perhaps people think that that's okay, that's a good thing, and and maybe it's it's right. But it's undeniable that you can't say like the the position once again like seems to be the theme of the show right now. The position of the left is that those actions are wholly immoral and wrong. And they're terrible, and they are literally uh, um, threats to democracy. Democracies can't exist in situations in which this happens, but they did happen. So now they're basically forced to have to justify it. Well, it, it was okay in the Ukraine because we think that the election was stolen by that previous guy with the help of the Russians. Yeah. You know, the same thing that they said happened in 2016. Sure. And the reason why I'm, I'm bringing this up is there's statements that are going back and forth because, you know, the, the glaring eye of Sauron has now gone on to Mike Pence. And of course, Trump has his feelings about how Mike Pence abandoned his constitutional duty for wanting to investigate uh, like things that were very suspicious about the previous election. And then all of these other people are rank and file behind Mike Pence saying he did his constitutional duty by certifying the election. It's yeah. a fascinating situation. Now, I'm not claiming a 4D chess moment, but I do think it's very interesting that we are getting all of these people to make statements saying that questioning an election is inherently undemocratic and un-American. When we're getting ready to head into uh, the midterms, where 100%, I guarantee you, the Democrats are going to say that elections were stolen because they weren't able to pass their giant federalization of the elections. Mm -hmm. Like, they've already laid the groundwork. We already 
literally heard Joe Biden say uh, that you probably can't take the election seriously because their um, their legislation didn't pass. That would have made it to where basically you could helicopter ballots anywhere. You have to accept all of them. No questions asked. And IDs are unnecessary. Right. Like, yeah, they are 100 percent signaling that they are going to claim that if there's a giant red wave or something that sweeps the midterms, they're going to claim it as illegitimate. Most definitely. And like, we know, we've known that that was going to happen. We were aware that that was going to happen years ago, right? Because the Democrats always claim that elections were stolen from them. True. Yet we have all of these idiots on the right that still haven't received that memo that are consistently being like, it's so exhausting. Stop talking about election interference. Oh my God, stop it. Let's just move on. And it's like, guys, you're aware that they're going to turn around and do this, right? They are forcing you into a position where you are going to say that questioning the election is bad, bad, bad. And anyone who does it is an idiot specifically. So, the Democrats can then turn around and do something shady and then use your words against you because they don't have any shame. They don't care. Sure. Like the position for them is whatever it takes to beat the evil racist Nazis. So it's not like you're not going to see a single liberal. That's going to be like, well, I was on board until they started claiming that elections were stolen They're just going to go, well, Republicans would totally steal elections because they're racist Nazis. Yeah. And I don't know why this is such a difficult thing for, like, other commentators and and writers on the right to figure out. It's very bizarre. Like, yeah, I I really don't know why it's... Maybe this stupidity is a marketing tactic. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) (coughs) Oh, sorry. I'm just going to get attacked by a cough. Certainly. So now heading into next week, well, we've got the Olympics going on too, which was, is another, I guess, interesting and fascinating thing. Like, how is that going to work? Because Biden's basically owned by China, but he's also supposed to be like fighting back. Yeah. I'm not really sure. It's going to be, what's interesting, I guess, as a total side is, this is the first Olympics where all of the snow has been man-made. Really? Yeah, they picked a chunk. They picked an area in China that doesn't get hardly that doesn't get very much annual snowfall, and so they have had to, that all the snow you see in the Winter Olympics is made by snow cannons. I just like the idea that there's something called a snow cannon. Oh yeah. Yeah, there's snow makers and snow cannons operating 24-7 out there because there's no there's a there was a zoomed out picture I saw of the grounds and you see all the ski runs and things that are all white and there's not a shred of snow on any of the mountains anywhere around it. Huh. Yeah. And a bunch of people using to say, see, climate change. And I just go, see, China's dumb. feel like we should turn snow cannon into a innuendo but things are gonna get oddly japanese uh if we do that you <laughs> so um oh th- there, so there are a lot of people that are trying to um 
Oh, that was one thing. I'm sorry. Uh, I was going to bring up something else, but then I just had a thought. Um, the CEO of CNN had to leave this week, Jeff Zucker, and he's claiming it's because he had an inappropriate relationship um, in the office. He he was uh, um, having an affair with an executive vice president at CNN, but also right. like everybody knew about it. So obviously that's not true. Yeah. Um, also, so, who cares? Yeah. Like, okay. Um, this is, Oh no, guy and woman have sex. Yeah. Breaking at 10. (laughs) But additionally, like there's obviously some other reason. And there's been a lot of bandying about on like, why, um, like why he actually left. It is mostly, it has to be something really untoward that they want to hide. If it's bad enough for him to leave. Well, this this is the reason why I want to kind of point it out is there are a lot of people that are like, ah, there's accu there. There was a, so, um, was it Jake Tapper or Cuomo? I think it was Cuomo, uh, was suing. Yeah. I think it was Cuomo. Cuomo was suing CNN, um, over his dismissal and was okay. going to bring up like, it was going to go to court, but then Zucker, left and resigned and the supposition is because he was also involved in covering for Andrew Cuomo and blah, blah, blah. But I'm going to point people to something else, which was all of the reports of people in CNN being pedophiles. I feel like that's more of a reason for your CEO to step down than he was totally going along with the regime. Like everybody thought he was and nobody cared. Right. So I'm wondering how much the recent legal activity with producers at CNN getting rolled up for pedophilia has to do with Jeff Zucker leaving. Now, I'm just spitballing. These are all suppositions. And it looks like um, Alan's uh, Internet exploded once again. So, but that's definitely something worth bringing up. I wonder how much that has to do with it. You know, like I'm not trying to suggest anything necessarily untoward aside from the idea that was it known? Was he covering it up? Is that what really came out? And they obviously want to get away from those kinds of um, accusations, allegations, the bad press of there being a lot of uh, seeming pedophiles at CNN. And so, I don't know. It's something that we'll keep an eye on and see if there might be more evidence that comes out on it. But uh, because of the connection issues that are happening over on Alan's side and everything else, I think that this is a good stopping point for the show. Just nine minutes early, so I think we'll be okay. But we don't want to talk more about CNN because it's just terrible. So, we'll call it from here but be sure to go over to subscribestar.com forward slash wrong think radio where you can subscribe for just 2.99 a month and help sponsor the program you can also check us out on all social media platforms and be sure to share this show with your friends and go to spreaker.com if you want to be part of the live chat throughout the program i'm aaron from the east coast and i'm keeping an eye on the left